Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons from the magic of the multiverse to mismanaged markets. And today we're talking about Myconids. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. It's back to the Underdark again today. Another. This is the the top or bottom layer of the bread of our Underdark sandwich. Yeah, yeah that I apparently put together unwittingly. You've so. accidentally created an Underdark sandwich. <laughs> I did. We it's will worship true. it. We will worship, worship these it. three episodes and they will become a god. Indeed. So in Dungeons and Dragons, Myconids, also known as Fungus Ones, Fungus Folk, or Fungus Men, are a race of ambulatory fungus creatures that dwell deep in the Underdark. Fun guys. They're very fun God, guys. God, I tried so hard not to make that joke for like the last two episodes, and here it is. Here it is. You couldn't make it through the nope, third one. Nope. Too they much are, mushroom stuff, not enough jokes. Yeah, they are They are an intelligent, sentient species known for their extreme isolationalism and their search for enlightenment. Oh, shit. They, yeah. <laughs> they abhor all violence as a general rule, with the exception of self-defense, though they aren't necessarily good beings. Instead, the Myconids are an odd form of lawful neutral, and the moral spectrum of good versus evil doesn't quite apply to them. Um, all in all, they are cautious creatures that live peaceful lives. Myconids have no desire to conquer anybody and pref- would prefer to just be left alone. So we covered uh, neutral evil mushrooms. And now, and then we covered true neutral mushrooms, which were just food in the Kuato episode. <laughs> right. And sure. now we're talking about lawful, lawful neutral sure. mushrooms. That's one way to look at it's it. Three for sure. scope of neutral, triple yeah. scope of neutral mushrooms. <laughs> right. It's a mushroom sandwich. Right. Okay. <laughs> 
I'm glad you got your sandwich joking twice. Mushrooms and fish. So myconids (laughs) most closely resemble walking toadstools in human form. They're an odd amalgamation of mushroom and other types of fungi with the vague shape of a, of humanoid proportions. So this um, is Toad from Mario Kart. Except for if Toad was all mushroom. I think, oh yeah, because Toad's not, he's just wearing a mushroom cap. Yeah. It's not actually a mushroom at all. Well, maybe, I don't know, is that? I'm pretty sure, okay, yeah, there's okay, like photos sure. of him without his little cap. Oh, okay, but yeah. even then, like I'm talking about the rest of his body as well. All mushroom, all, all the way mushroom, down. All all the way down, okay. yeah. So the upper half of their body splits into a pair of arms below their caps, and their lower half divides into a pair of legs at the stump. Each extremity is pudgy and broad, with their hands ending in two stubby fingers and a thumb. Oh. <laughs> their feet hosting numerous vestigial toes. Um, okay. Their flesh is... Perfectly concealed. Oh no, their flesh. Their flesh is bloated and spongy and varies in color from purple to gray. Two eyes rest on the lower portion of their caps and are perfectly concealed against the rest of their spongy skin when shut. If a myconid stood very still and closed its eyes, it could easily be mistaken for simply a giant mushroom. Um, they range in height from two to twelve feet tall, depending on their age. Okay, so they're just the perfect blend of cute and gross. Kinda, <laughs> yeah, and and really depends on the art too, because like the fourth edition art, they're real fucking gross. Oh, the okay. fifth edition art, they're like they're mostly gross, but they look kind of nice. Okay, and then, and the second edition art I saw, they look kind of cute. I th- I feel like they try to make the art reflect the kind of intent of the yeah, creature. Yeah, you know, so you can judge by just looking at them. I suppose. I guess they they want you in D anD D to make perception checks to judge books by their cover indeed so don't fail those checks (laughs) myconids are unique amongst the underdark races for their complete aversion to violent behavior we have talked about the underdark quite a few times on the show and it is generally full of things trying to kill anything else they meet at all times including Mm. drow illithids beholders kuatoa darrow duragar and many other violent creatures okay because of this fact myconids have a deeply ingrained general distrust of entities outside of their communities um, despite their suspicions, however, Myconid are a thoughtful race willing to give shelter or allow passage through their colonies to those who would approach with peaceful intentions. Okay. So, any questions so far? Uh, tell me more about mushroom people. I'm, I'm okay, I will. <laughs> so, life of a Myconid, or a fungus man, is very simple. It consists of a strict schedule split evenly between sleep, working, and melding. Melding is the core of myconid society and indeed in being a myconid at all, with separation from the process viewed as frightening and a pitiful fate. I will explain melding in detail later, but for now it is essentially a communal bonding of consciousness between myconids. One of the reasons violence and disharmony is practically unheard of within myconid society is that it adversely impacts the melding process, which is a terrible thing in the mind of a myconid. Okay. So the actual ethical concerns or moral quandaries are subjects in which fungus folk show relative naivety and apathy. They're not really interested in the ethical part of not liking the fight. They just think it sucks. Okay. So they're every once in a while, they're just trying to like become one for a second and then they're good. Kinda. It's, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, we'll talk about it a bit more, okay. but yeah, basically. Um, again, they're nonviolent, but they're not good creatures. Um, they're also uh, very incessant about most things so rather than dwell upon the past or fret about the future myconids focus on present circumstances reveling in the moment and sharing in simple pleasures okay yeah although myconids have a very communal lifestyle uh lack of eternal conflict and bond regularly in collective consciousness each myconid is still a distinct individual with their own hopes dreams insights fears and personality traits okay so they're super super communal and they seem almost like they're like they function like a colony, like a single-minded like a, colony. Like a mind hive. But they're not. 
but they're good. But they're separate. Not. They're, they're but separate they love, individuals. They, but they love, love to, not being separate. Okay, but only sometimes. <laughs> but like, like in the melding process, like they still all remain retain their identity. They just all bond on like a spiritual level. They just like rub their souls together for I a guess, little while. I guess so. Okay, yes. sure. So, um, before I can explain Mike and his social structure, I need to explain their life cycle first okay. and melding second. So Mike and his grow up in six stages that progress every four years and their lives end sometime around their 24th year of life. Oh, um, yeah. Short lives. Uh, when first spawned, Mike and his infants are only a few inches tall and resemble large mushrooms. Little they, babies. Little babies. Um, they lack any method of ambulation and furthermore are not self-aware. Of this. They're mushrooms. They're just mushrooms <laughs> at this stage. Like they're not like mushrooms. They are mushrooms. They just are mushrooms. They just are okay. mushrooms at this stage. Four years of growth later, mycanids are dubbed sprouts or junior workers and are at this point fully capable of movement. At eight years old, mycanids gain the ability to reproduce at will via spores. Twelve years old, twelve year olds develop what are called rapport spores. These are spores that they can emit to telepathically communicate with others of their kind and any creatures capable of speech. Is it weird for them? Is it like puberty? They're getting like I guess so. mushroom acne. Like, oh, just start going oh, I'm psychic. <laughs> that was just so awkward. I can't control my thoughts. I mean, maybe I can see it like that. So, hey, at, bro, you were being psychic in your sleep again. <laughs> like, no, I can't control it. Um, at 16, myconids develop pacifying spores, a self-defense mechanism capable of stunning other creatures. By the time they are 20, um, myconids undergo a great change in size, becoming much larger and able to prompt hallucinatory effects um, that are used in melding as uh, circle leaders. So the circle leaders, <laughs> so they're, they're out here. They're just kind of doing drugs. It's eat, just what they're doing. Eat a piece of my skin. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's spores. Let's like, go to space. Anyway, talk to the galactic spirit. Those who managed, <laughs> don't drop your super quest uh, saga uh, Easter egg in here. I can't help it. <laughs> Those who manage to live until the age of 24 usually become sovereigns through a special regiment process that though is very beneficial to the community as a whole, is considered a very sad event for the new sovereign who will never be able to meld with its fellow Mykonids again. Oh, what? Yeah. So, melding. Melding is a form of communal meditation that allows Mykonids to transcend their dull subterranean existence. Uh, the Mykonids' rapport spores bind the participants in a group consciousness. Hallucination spores are then used to induce a shared dream that provides entertainment and social interaction for all participating Mykonids. Mykonids consider melding to be their purpose of existence they use it in the pursuit of higher consciousness collective union and spiritual about the office i wonder if it's because only one of them wants to do drugs but they all want to feel the drugs you know what i mean <laughs> i mean maybe i guess so so. only one of them has to take drugs real hardcore and so they and eat they, a little, they, everyone else can experience it they like bite their fingernails or whatever oh and they're gosh. like time to go to space so stupid <laughs> <laughs> all right let's take a short rest okay Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Come check out our D&D 5e actual play podcast, Super Quest Saga, the show where Will, Brian, your special guest Jake, and friend of the show Josh Freeland sit around the table and play some Dungeons and Dragons in space. It's Will's homebrew sci-fi space opera campaign. Find it on iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Super Quest Saga! returned we're back indeed and uh let's talk about myconids and how they live okay <laughs> all right so myconids dwell together in deep and isolated caves of the underdark as far from other species as possible comprising myconid society are groups known as circles tight social cliques of 20 or so members circles contain four members from each of the myconid age groups and are presided over by four circle leaders. Circle members are very intimate with one another as they meld regularly, although melding is not necessarily restricted between circles, so sometimes myconids are close with myconids from other circles. Okay. Yeah. They're very clicky. <laughs> They're very Got clicky, it. yeah. <laughs> a myconid society is usually comprised of one to ten circles with a minimum of at least three, each of their own, each with their own specific niche and duties. Circle duties include agriculture, exploration, construction, child rearing, hunting, um, although contrary to intuition, hunters amongst the myconids are more akin to scavengers. Um, rather than like hunt creatures, they locate corpses to use as fertilizer or to be reana- reanimated by the sovereign into what are called spore servants. Oh, shoot. Which is much like what Zuckmoy does, where she like... Um, she infects a body with mushrooms that she can then control. The, the sovereign of the myconids can do the same thing, but in a less evil way, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Mushroom zombies for, for neutral purposes. Exactly. Very <laughs> much so. Yeah. So, um, oh, yeah. So their schedules are strictly organized into eight hour blocks of conducting their specialized work, melding, and then sleeping before the cycle repeats the following day. When are they fitting in the fucking trippy 
melding. Well, I just said they, it's eight hour blocks. So eight hours of melding. Eight oh, hours that was of sleep. the first thing. Sorry. Yeah, eight hours of work. So trip on drugs, go to yeah. bed, work. and then do some do something productive. But then do drugs right after that. And then do drugs. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a nice life, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a short cool. one. They only live 24 years. Maybe it's because of all the drugs. But And you're in, you're in the underdark. It's, that's uh, true. But they're super isolated, so they usually don't come in contact with anybody. They're just, like, like on the ceiling. Ideally. <laughs> no, I don't think they can walk on the ceiling. I don't think they have a climbing oh, speed. Oh, that would be so if, cool. I've, 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 that's what I was picturing uh, mostly. No, was no some, climbing speed. Ah, oh, dang. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, no, no climbing, speed. no climbing speed. Yeah. Oh, dang. So okay. circles make their homes around mounds of rocks where moss is encouraged to grow. That functions both as a melding area and a sleeping ground. Although some iconid circles are known to live in hollow self-sealing fungal houses. That sounds fun. That, that sounds sound really fun. cool. Um, like a little like toad, like he lives in his little toad house. Come into my fungal house. Exactly. Have some tea. Indeed. It'll make you high. It will make you high. That is without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. Every circle is tightly grouped in such a way that distressed spores, which are spores that do exactly what you think they do, uh, <laughs> can reach at least one member of another circle. The presence of distressed spores are the only thing capable of breaking myconids from a meld. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're in danger. Yeah, we're in danger. Stop. Stop. Like. Drug over, over up now. Drug override. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a drug that does that for people who overdose on heroin. I can't remember the name of it. Is it I, called charcoal? No, it's and not I called. I can eat no. a bunch of charcoal. No, that's more for like talk, like uh, poisons yeah. in, in your stomach. But there, I'm sure someone will get in the comics. There's literally a drug where like if someone overdoses, they get them in the hospital. They can pump them with the drug and it completely cancels out the heroin. Doctor, this guy took too much drugs. What do we do? Get him more, <laughs> more drugs. drugs. <laughs> it's Hurry. <laughs> okay, that's enough for our medical advice on the show. Yeah. Um, every Mykonid community is highly organized to the point where the population is kept at a specific number at all times. And every member of the society has a purpose and a place. Sprouts, which are the babies, uh, work as hands for their respective elders, assisting with daily chores and responsible for releasing distress spores if hostiles approach. Normal adults of age 8 to 12 do most of the basic work and will fight alongside their superiors if danger approaches. Elder myconids ages 12 to 16 are responsible for supervising the work of other myconids and attempting to negotiate when faced with hostility. Okay. Uh, and fungus folk of age 16 to 20, usually the oldest and strongest of the myconids in the community, serve as guards, um, protecting other members of the circle from harm. All older members of a circle are its leaders who administrate them and advise the Myconid king, one of the only two entities above them. So the duties of the king includes the creation of spore servants, essentially mushroom zombies, uh, so that the Myconids can remain pacifistic and uh, the mushroom zombies can take care of the guarding. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, the coordination of work schedules, vigilance against potential threats, and the production of fungal brews. They make a lot of fungal brews that they drink. I love fungal they brews. They really like drugs. They really like <laughs> drugs. These Myconids are literally tripping for half the day. Yeah, for well, half their lives. Uh, so, minus sleep. Minus sleep. So... Finally, above all others in the community is the Myconid Sovereign. To become a sovereign is to become a sovereign is the most dreadful position within the Myconid community, seen among others as practically a punishment, because the Myconid Sovereign is tasked with being objective to all circles and administrate all of their duties. They cannot become part of a circle themselves and can never again meld with those in their tribe. It's a bummer. So it's no more drugs for you. You have to be the <laughs> responsible adult. It's like you're the, uh, what's the, the designated to, driver. Somebody has to make sure everybody's staying hydrated. Right, exactly. And so <laughs> it's a, it's a punishment for poor, uh, poor sovereign. Oh man. Um, 
Befitting their fungal nature, myconids are primarily decomposers who draw nutrients from the ground. For them, eating consists on standing in piles of compost while their bodies absorb the useful portions. <laughs> Whether through accumulated skill or simply by natural aptitude, fungus folk have a vast array of knowledge about fungi ranging from optimal growth conditions for various types, the amount an area can yield, and what can be made using them. So they're really good at growing fungus because they are fungus. They are fungus. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't look at, don't fucking, don't <laughs> fuck with me. I know what I need. Exactly. <laughs> so fungi they don't grow for alchemical usage is instead grown so that they will inevitably decay and the myconids can extract the soil nutrients. Yeah. So okay. through a mysterious bond, myconids can also control a wide variety of plant and fungal monsters, including shambling mounds, phantom fungi, assassin vines, and roper-like plant monsters. So they're actually pretty good at staying pacifistic if they can like get a good guard system going on. Can you imagine all these things just rolling around guarding these mushroom people? Just like hit, they're super protected. Just hitting you with that fucking mushroom dust. Yeah. Uh, like do what I say. Here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this knowledge of fungi extends to the sovereign who's capable of using various types of fungi in order to perform a special kind of alchemy. Uh, while capable of replicating the effects of normal potions, this fungal alchemy is also used to create special effects uh, unlike those of run-of-the-mill alchemical concoctions. Okay. If a colony is predicted to need to fight, they can create the sovereign can create special healing potions that only work on fungi, as well as hallucinatory uh, power potions that can be stored into spider silk and used as traps on the enemy. And in times when the population is too small, they can create potions that cause accelerated aging, as well as an anointment potion that can immediately and very painfully cause an old mic again to transform into a myconid king. Oh, shit. So, like, they can do some crazy voodoo with their drugs. This sounds cool for a party to roll up on some bad guys, escape mm. the bad guys, find the myconids that mm. are like, we're getting ready for fucking war. Right, exactly. Fuck those Kuotoa motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, right. They've been eating us for too long. Exactly. Yes. Time to die. Right. You, you guys in? <laughs> You guys in? You guys are the least pacifistic mechanism we've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're going to fuck shit up today. We're going to go sure. back to doing drugs later. Yeah, um, okay. that would be fun. Um, so, myconids have little to no relations outside their own species. They're quick to suspect any and all flesh and blood humanoids to be hostile and violent towards them, because they're usually fucking right. Um, and they view most flesh-based people as brutish and insane, beings who would conquer and destroy anything in their path before returning to make sure it stayed vanquished. So, they're okay. used to people being violent and crazy and angry. Yeah, especially because, if they're Underdark. Yeah, they? which in the Underdark, it's very, very true. You'd I be mean, like, oh shit, mushroom people, time to kill everything. Right. Murder hobo, they're way through yep so likewise most humanoids view the fungus ones as ugly monsters themselves lumping them into the with the various evil uh -huh. underdark forces to add to further myconid isolation is the fact that outside of spores that can be used in certain potions myconids possess basically no trading goods um that are useful to to the other races yeah Making, they can only make stuff that works on themselves exactly and this makes it difficult to establish cooperation between them and the other races uh and lastly population pressures uh kind of further their paranoia and xenophobia they have a very delicate balance we have a very specific number of myconids we keep it that way because too many is too many yeah yeah but because we can't have too many we have this specific amount that's kind of small so right. we got to protect ourselves mm -hmm. um, it sounds really cyclical yeah very cyclical them. yeah very stable very lawful very steady um I only got one more fact about the myconids. Direct sunlight is the most dangerous thing to any myconid, with direct uh, exposure severely impairing them and even killing them after an hour or so. Wow. Um, as such, the fungus folk were, are loath to venture anywhere above ground. 
That's how you torture a Mykonid for information. You just yeah, like sunlight. hold them above. Well, you cast a sunlight spell. Oh, Ooh, dang. Super, brutal. super strong mm-hmm. inside the Underdark. Yep. It really is. Yes. Oh, wow. You always want to take a cleric to the Underdark. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You need those sweet heals and that sweet, sweet sunlight. Mm-hmm. So any questions about Mykonids before we get into some of these stat blocks we got over here? Uh, I want a stat block. It'll give me some insight. Okay. So I have two stat blocks. We have the Mykonid Adult and the Mykonid Sovereign. We're going to start with the Adult. So these guys aren't strong, and I don't think that's surprising. They're pacifists, um, and they don't like craft weapons. They don't have armor. They're they don't even have the numbers to kind of deal with stuff. So they don't really even have the numbers. They being just, pacifist is like best way to stay out of trouble. Yeah, being pacifist, hiding, and then also having slaves that will like well, not slaves, but like mushroom zombies that will like serve you. <laughs> yeah, and also plant monsters will serve them too. Okay. So armor class of twelve. This is a challenge rating one half, by the way. Hit points 22. So this is a really weak, low-level monster. I mean, it doesn't have... Its its strongest stat is a 12 in Constitution. Everything else is a 10. Oh, no, I take it back. Wisdom is 13. So you got Wisdom 13, Constitution 12, and then we have 10 Strength, 10 Dex, 10 Intelligence, and 7 Charisma. Oof. Um, we got two features. One's called Distress Spores. When a Mykonid takes damage, all other Mykonids within 240 feet of it can sense its pain. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And then Sun Sickness. While in sunlight, the Mykonid has disadvantage on ability checks, attack rolls, and save throws. A Mykonid dies if it spends more than one hour in direct sunlight. Okay, cool. So, you guys got terrible stats. They get ultra sunburned mm-hmm. so fast. Okay. So they have one attack. It's called Fist. <laughs> No. <laughs> Why is it called that? <laughs> because they punch. That's what they do. You couldn't call it punch? <laughs> it should just be called punch. Because I guess <laughs> I guess it's because it's the name of the weapon. The weapon is their fist. Just like when it's a longsword attack, it's not like longsword attack. It just says longsword. Yeah. When I'm when those douchebags are, you know, chirping my girlfriend at the bar, I'm going <laughs> to, you guys better shut up or I'm going to fist you. Anyways. Um... <laughs> 2d4 bludgeoning damage plus 2d4 poisoning damage, so they got poison on their oh, fists. Oh, so some people are putting madness in their fists. These guys are putting, putting poison, poison in their yeah. fists. Don't fight high-level monsters, my kids. You will not do any kind of poison effect They on have them. two other actions. One's called pacifying spores, which they can do three times a day. The Mike ejects spores that one creature can see within five feet of it. The target must succeed on a DC 11 constitution saving throw or be stunned for one minute. The target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on itself on a success. So they could stun people. Cool. And then last one's a rapport spores. They can, it's the communication one. So... A 20-foot radius of spores extends from the Myconid. These spores can go around corners and affect only creatures with an intelligence of two or higher that aren't undead, constructs, or elementals. Affected creatures can communicate telepathically with one another while they are within 30 feet of each other. The effect lasts for one hour. So this is how they talk with each other. This is how they talk with other people. Okay. Because they don't have mouths. They can't speak. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess I left that part out. In the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no they mouth don't here. have mouths. Yes. <laughs> they just have to fucking rub their dust on each other. <laughs> exactly. And then everything's okay. This is my angry dust. <laughs> You're right. They don't need to talk to each other. They, they've spent four hours a day talking to each other. Yeah. So Mike and his sovereign sounds a lot bigger than it is. It's only challenge rating two. Looking at armor class 13, 60 hit points. So these guys okay. are pretty weak too. Same features, distress spores and sun sickness. Um, 
same fist attack except for it's just more d4s <laughs> it's um, just more fist yeah they have the pacifying spores which are the stun ones and they have the rapport spores which are the telepathic ones but they have two extra spores they have animating spores which is a three times a day thing mike in it the mic in it targets one corpse of a humanoid or a large or smaller beast within five feet of it and releases spores at the corpse in 24 hours the corpse rises as a spore servant the corpse stays animated for 1d4 plus one weeks or until destroyed and can't be animated again this way. Okay. So that's how the, the spore servants are being made. And then the hallucination spores, which are the ones they use during melding. The myconid ejects spores at one creature. It can see within five feet of it. The target must succeed a DC 12 constitution saving throw or be poisoned for one minute. The poison target is incapacitated while it hallucinates. So that one, man, that one locks you down. Wow. The target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, though, ending the effect on itself on a success. So there's only one sovereign per tribe? Yeah, generally. Okay. And not even all the tribes have a sovereign because it's such a shitty job. So. <laughs> Does everybody wants to trip on drugs yeah and it's like i think it's only the very oldest so like uh, once you reach that like 24 so you're the last year or so of your life Mm -hmm. you might get turned into a sovereign okay i mean yeah are they rubbing can you imagine your party member dies like beefs it hard in the underdark Mm -hmm. and you you drag their body to safety out of respect and fucking a myconid sovereign comes up and starts like rubbing on it (laughs) he's oh this is useful i was like oh jerry's alive (laughs) oh no he's not no he's super not. not Jerry's uh, super not alive. I don't think he ever ever moved his arm like that, not even once. So the monster manual actually has like a little template thing that you can slap onto a uh, a creature that gets turned into a spore servant. Okay. So the retained characteristics of the spore servant are its armor class, its hit points, its hit die, its strength, dex, and constitution, oh, wow. mo- or uh, ability 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 score scores. That's the word. Vulnerabilities, resistances, and immunity. So it Oops. keeps a lot, okay. but it loses a lot too. The servant loses its original saving throw and skill bonuses, special senses, special traits. It loses any action that isn't multi attack or a melee weapon attack that deals bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing damage. If it has an action or melee weapon attack that deals some other type of damage, it loses the ability to deal damage of that type unless the damage comes from the piece of equipment such as so like if it's a paladin he can't smite yeah yeah that makes no um sense. it re- uh, oh it's type changes to a plant okay um its alignment becomes unaligned its speed becomes 10 feet um its mental ability scores are a two to intelligence a six to wisdom and a one to charisma it gains blind sight within a radius of 30 feet. Oh. Um, it becomes immune to being blinded, charmed, frightened, or paralyzed because it's essentially an undead. Mm-hmm. And it, it loses all language because it's a bunch of mushrooms. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, if the servant has no other means of dealing damage, it can use its fists or limbs to make unarmed strikes. On a hit, an unarmed strike deals bludgeoning damage equal to 1d4 plus the servant's strength modifier, or if it's large, 2d4 plus the strength modifier. So it can use fist, or it could use foot, uh, or elbow, yes. or skull. Exactly. Yeah, that's what you I call it. You have it right. I don't call it headbutt, drag holds, or kick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I know, I know. <laughs> so, uh, any questions about Myconids? weird they're weird guys but i like them i think that it was a fun read for me i was like these guys are interesting they're just i wouldn't like i wouldn't want to hang with them really no 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 it's interesting to know that they're down there like so like the application for this in this like newly formed idea i have about the underdark of what it's Mm -hmm. really like like i just like you probably walking like these vast plains and there are little myconid colonies like as you're going by like mm-hmm. these are the myconid fields sure it fucking stinks out here just like everywhere in the underdark <laughs> but don't unleash your own brand because, because you'll get fucking eaten your own brand locals <laughs> only bro uh-huh uh-huh all right well i think you're done so i think we're gonna get ready yeah, for a long rest let's get ready for the long all rest right. 
William, you've caught me in my bathrobe as I've, <laughs> I've, as, as oh, I've, no. ba- I've bathed before, so sorry. before I'm to sleep. But uh, since you're here, uh, just allow me to, to start my cob pipe, okay. my tobacco, my, my pre-bed smoky smoky. God, you'd wake up like with fucking asthma attack. Uh, <laughs> we're in the long rest portion of the show. We the want, long rests are getting weirder. We need. It's we, like what happened when we first started the short rest. I need all my fucking spell slots back and right. all my HP. Uh-huh. Apparently, there's lore on why you get all your HP and like injuries healed after a long rest. Or it you, actually takes two long rests, I believe. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, that might be the hit die part. Yeah, I don't remember. Okay, we'll talk about that one day. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's fucking tell you about our stuff links mm-hmm. below for merch there's new merch yes. or there's close to being new merch i'm not sure yet and there's also old merch which is really cool if yeah. you want to support us go buy some merch it's yeah. really cool if you want a shirt to sport at chicans con mm-hmm. season mm-hmm. think of it uh go go to uh it's like teespring.com slash dungeon cast yeah. or like dude it's right there it's right down it's there right go below. get it yes. go get it go get your shirts and mugs um w- with uh we we have artists commissioned to like do stuff for us mm-hmm. that we can turn into that sort of thing and I, I love it um exclusive merch like our what the grumsh mug you can get it on our patreon so go check out our patreon yeah. too yep. um make sure you check check out super quest saga i'm having trouble not talking about it yeah and there's a reason for that uh, and I just want to hit up a big thank you to everybody on our discord. I'd like to thank you guys for all the hard work you do, yes. uh, as far as like our moderators and admins and stuff in discord, we see what you're doing and we love Indeed. it. Thank you guys so much. Love you guys. They're like doing cool stuff, like doing their own little dice giveaways and yeah, it's, yep, it's are. a rich community filled with nerds. <laughs> it's true. So it's thanks. very true. <laughs> thank you. Fellow dungeons and dragons nerds. We, uh, thrive off your energies um let's answer some questions oh, we have questions oh gosh we're okay. finally going to get into a block of questions that slash 382 sent in okay um so we'll be he sent in a bunch by requests we're going to be sprinkling them in with other people's questions so we'll read one from slash right okay. now sounds good um i don't think i briefed you on it so get ready okay um and i have i have an answer what is something that you learned for D that isn't related to D? It's kind of a, uh, well, example, I learned about certain character tropes, like the five man band to flesh out characters. I made statistics for dice rolls and making realistic gambling games and geology for creating maps. That makes sense. So what's something new you Mm, learned for D&D? Yeah, you learn all kinds of weird shit when you're DMing. Yeah. uh, You're like, wait, how does this work? I don't know. Let me Google that. Yeah. Footage is a huge one for me. Mm. Like. Like what actual like thirty feet really looks like in real life? Sure, yeah. That that was so huge, and it like I had to learn it for work. Like I'm I'm always uh, I do like I'm like a designer for electrical poles and stuff. I I I can tell what distances are just by looking at photos now. Nice and like like what two hundred feet looks like and mm. how how that you know applies to mainly combat. In D and D, like knowing that and being able to apply it effectively, I think that's where I struggled the most at D and D when I first started dungeon mastering was figuring out like what distance really means in relation to to the mechanics because they're they're specked out like that for a reason, right? You know, a more realistic feel. Yeah. Uh, so that that one was huge for me. It made me a much better dungeon master. I wouldn't know how to approach like getting used to that. Um, just find like pick a place that you are a lot and figure out the dimensions for that place and just be like, well, my room is 10 feet long. So three of my room is like, looks like this. Right. Uh, yeah. That 
knowing what 30 feet looks like is huge. Sure. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, a lot, just a lot of little things, most that I can't come up with off the top of my head, but like, you know, little hobbies or whatever comes up in the game. But one thing that I've learned more so from the show than from D&D is just history, because like so many of the monsters from D&D are based off something historical. And so that sends me down the research rabbit hole of like the historical um, relevancy to yeah, totally. two Dungeons and Dragons. And that's always been really interesting because I'm big, I'm big on history. I love history. Um, the Greco cast. Yeah. The Greco cast. And then also, um, one thing from D and D is like how governing bodies work. Cause I like, yeah, I don't want, yeah, I don't want every single town and community to like be ran the same. So I'm like, well, what kind of different like bodies of governing, um, are there? And so I've done a lot of research on that for purposes of running games. So yeah, you you learn a lot about waste management. Sure. You just do. Yeah. Uh, in do. the bigger cities that has to exist or you get plagues. So it's let's true. go. Let's answer yeah. one from Jeremy Miller. Okay. Uh, will you guys do a review of Explorer's Guide to Wildmount when it comes out? Maybe. Knowing knowing neither of you are fans of, of Crit Roll, it'll be interesting to get your opinion on the content found in it. Um, we did that maybe. for Xanathar's and didn't we do it for Mordekainen's also kind we of? We did and we did, but those were more. I don't know if I like those episodes really. Um, yeah, I mean, we I might. Mean, they're fine. They're good. At, they're, yeah. they're like, I don't know. It, it breaks the style of what we do. Oh, it of. definitely does. Um, and we might, I think it's way more likely that we will do episodes on things within the book. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be a class in there going to do a class breakdown yeah um, i like that yeah if there's any custom races we'll do them um if there's custom gods we might do them too like i'll look over the book i i really don't know what to expect because again i've i've never i think i've watched one critical role episode and i only watched half of it and it was cool it just wasn't for me so i don't know much about the setting so i really don't know what to expect yeah i'm sure there's like going to be tons of tidbits in there like the gunslinger is probably going to be in there exactly. and all that stuff yeah. and that's super popular mm -hmm. i mean people really want to get into that I yeah think even special guest jake was talking about like messing around with a character that's doing that. You know? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, people that love Crit Roll want to do the stuff in Crit Roll at their own table, and that's totally fine. I and mean, that's what the book's for. Yeah, so that's what the book is yeah, for. exactly. Um, so, yeah, like Will said, well, we probably won't do a whole episode on it because I don't think we want to do, like, a episode about a book. That's not really what the channel and the, and the podcast is essentially about, even though we gave it a shot. Yeah. Um, but we will we will crack the book, and we'll tell you explicitly at the yeah. beginning of those oh, episodes. I definitely like, will be reading most of the book. Like, I, I like to look at every D&D book, so yeah, yeah. I, I will have an opinion on it, I'm sure. You know, there's another D&D book, and I think it was a Magic the Gathering setting is what it mm, ended up the being. The Ravnica one, yeah. Well, no, no, no. It's that new release that's coming out. Do you remember we were talking about it after Super Talk Saga? Um, it was like... There's like a weird bird-like creature on the front and a mm. dude with like a sword and shield and like a parallel universe in the background or some shit. Mm. Oh, wasn't it like a Greek thing? It looked or? Greek okay. a little bit, but I think it's a Magic the Gathering setting oh, from what I've sure. been reading. Okay. So we got another book coming out. Okay, that's, that's cool. That's I'll pretty cool. check that out. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. We'll, I mean, I'm always excited for these books because there's usually new races and classes. I'm like, oh, new episodes. New playable so, content. Yeah, yeah exactly. stuff people want to know about. So yeah, exactly. that's that's kind of how we'll approach it. So with that, I think we're good. Yeah, we're going to call it a game. Go. Let's call we'll it a game. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. 
The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine. Coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.